Amen. You may be seated. Our God is great and greatly to be praised, and it's good to praise Him together. And I'm so grateful to Him for our student band. You know, what a wonderful job they did this morning. I think that's one of the blessings of Graduate Sundays, having our student band and just seeing what God's doing in their lives and the musicians and the singers and all of those who serve to help them as they grow in their gifts and abilities, using them for the glory of God. So we, we not only congratulate our graduates, but we also appreciate uh, our student band as well. Open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. It's clear that God's plan for boys to grow up to be men and girls to grow up to women has gotten a lot confused in the day we live in. Now today we're not going to necessarily address the what of that. What is manhood or womanhood? Those are coming along in our family series. But today we're going to address more of the when. When and how does that happen? How uh, does a woman grow a girl grow into a woman and a boy into a man how does that happen and so in Luke chapter 2 we're going to begin reading in verse 39 as is our custom just to show that we have great respect for the word of God this this book is from God himself he inspired it the men who wrote these words down they were led by the spirit of God and they penned the exact words that God wanted them to write down that's why we say that this is the inerrant the infallible word of God and most Sundays when we meet together like this for our guests sake we stand so that we just show that we honor this book because it's from God so let's stand And I'm going to begin reading in verse 39, Luke chapter 2. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You may be seated. And let's pray again. Fathers, we open up your word this morning, and even as we read it, we do not take it lightly. We believe that you caused these words to be written down. And you knew that 
in 2020 at Graduate Recognition Sunday that we would be reading this text and you knew what we would need to hear. We pray especially for our children, our students today is we look at this text, that they would begin to understand more of what it means to become an adult. We pray for parents and grandparents, our church family as a whole, that we would understand adulthood and how to call our boys and girls out to adulthood at the proper time. And so we surrender our lives to you knowing that you created us all and you have a purpose for us all. We pray that we might live in that purpose, knowing you, enjoying you, and glorifying you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Over the last couple of years, we've learned a few new words when it comes to adulthood. I think our students have a lot of fun when they begin to experience some of the things that their parents do, like drinking coffee or filling up the gas tank or paying a bill or, I mean, we could make a list and many of them will say, I'm I'm adulting today. We're acting like adults. We're, We're moving in that direction, adulting. And so really this has become a word in the dictionary now and adulting means this, the practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult, especially the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks. Ideally, this does start in the teen years when we began making some of those transitions into adulthood. There, I, I hope I don't make too many allusions to this, but there, there really are no biblical transitions from one gender to the next. But there are, there is a transition from childhood to adulthood. Let's, let's not mess that up. Let's not confuse that. God means for us to move from childhood to adulthood And it is a transition. And we encourage our parents at Lawndale to to call out their kids to adulthood upon high school graduation. Now, we, again, know there's some transition years, especially if they go off to college. But more or less, that's one of those markers for us that now there's a certain level of responsibility that may not have been expected earlier, but now is expected out of this young man or this young woman. So here's your next new word, if you hadn't heard it yet. It's adultolescence. Adultolescence. Now, adultolescence is postponing adulthood, some even into their 30s. Those are the ones who are still living in the basement at home, primarily. But it's that problem of getting stuck between childhood and adulthood. This is a cultural phenomenon right now. This is a problem that many families are facing. And not all of it is uh, responsible for the family. There are a lot of things that are contributing to this. Some are more, more kids these days are going to college, more are pursuing advanced degrees. College loan debt is exploding And so even the affordability of moving out on your own has seemed to become much more of a hardship. Uh, There's the delay of marriage. There's also that parent's willingness to keep paying all the bills. And all of this looks pretty appealing. I mean, many of us, when we look back to our early 20s and through the 20s, we thought, man, that that would be pretty nice. Uh, Some are even calling it the freebie years. So I've heard one even say, this is, this is that time of paradise. 
no responsibility, and you're more or less dependent on those around you. Do what you want without really any kind of responsibility. So what are we going to do about this? How do we make steps forward? How do we continue to call out our graduates today and all of those kids will be moving this direction soon. How do we call them out to adulthood? Well, to become an adult, you have to grow in wisdom. Now, remember our story here as we read this, our scripture text. We uh, are seeing in this text uh, things about Jesus and his family growing up. Jesus grew to become an adult. Uh, Now, we don't know a lot about what was happening in his childhood years. Uh, So what do we know about those years? Not much. But we do know some about what was happening in those childhood years. We know Luke talks about his uh, conception and and the pregnancy that Mary had, a great focus on on that part of his life in the womb. And then we have a, a great focus when he was about two and the wise men came to see him in their house. It's an interesting part. Luke, as much as anybody, more than anybody, talks about some of these childhood events. And then, really, the only other childhood event we get is when he was 12 years old, here in this particular text. And in the Jewish culture, that was a pretty big marker. We don't, in America, have a lot of markers. But we're trying to build more and more markers in for families to call their kids out to take next steps to to grow in these different areas of life. And when a child moves into middle school, that's a pretty big time to call them out for more expectations and to grow because they're hitting a lot of transitions during that time period in their lives. And so again, in the Jewish culture, you've heard that term bar mitzvah. It was more or less now that that uh, person was more responsible in uh, their relationship with God than they had been before. And now they were taking on more responsibility, more was being expected, and it's pretty clear that Jesus was being a responsible young man at this age for his parents not to really be concerned where he was in this moment. Doesn't so much speak to poor parenting, I don't think, but more to Jesus had proven to already take a lot of responsibility, and his parents weren't worried about where he was because he was already taking what responsibility he had, and he was using it well in his life. So there is a, some indicators here as we read through the text, and even his heart for God. We know that Jesus himself is God. He's the son of God. He is the second person in the Trinity. But as he grows up, we see his relationship to his father. And he's modeling for all of us that kind of relationship. And there's a hunger. There's a thirst at an early age. This is what all of us parents pray for. That our kids will hunger and thirst after God, that they will have hearts for him, that they will be sensitive to his working in their lives and Parents, whenever your kids begin to ask questions at those early ages, that's God working in their lives. Kids don't come to Christ on their own. It's not like they're looking for God and they're looking to live their lives for God. They're born sinners and you're teaching them and helping them in those early ages lay foundations and they begin to ask questions and all of those are good questions, even though they might be hard questions. And even though we may be busy and not want to be inconvenienced with some of them, not only just in giving an answer, but having to do a little bit of study and investigation, those are important times in the life of a child as they're growing. 
And already at 12, Jesus is increasing in wisdom. He's moving toward adulthood in his life. And so we're, we're to grow up in wisdom. That's what we're looking for in a young adult's life. Now, there are a couple of ways we can think about this idea of wisdom. Wisdom in regard to consequences. A parent's job is to teach their children to think through decisions they make. Okay, instead of me just telling you what to do, let's think through this. You walk them through it. Well, if you do this, what would be the outcome? If you do this, have you prayed about it? Is the Bible, what does the Bible say about this issue that you're wrestling with? Parents teach their kids how to process things because everything should come out of that relationship with God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's knowing him it's understanding who he is it's knowing you're accountable to him it's knowing he's your creator and one day he'll be your judge the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the lord and he made this life to give consequences what we sow we will reap we learn through that process and wise parents don't save their kids from all the consequences they let them experience it even early on because if they don't learn consequences early They get greater when they're out on their own. There are consequences. So we grow in wisdom realizing we have a creator who one day we'll give an account to. We we understand his great love for us and we want to love him and live for the very reason he put us here on earth. And the consequences of surrendering our lives to him is the kind of joy and peace and fulfillment and purpose that we're longing for. He and he alone can give that. So we're, we're looking at kids and uh, high school graduates. We're looking that they would, they would be growing in wisdom, understanding their consequences to their decisions. But there's also wisdom in regard to courage. Sometimes we're not quite sure on what hill to die on, are we? We need some wisdom for that. If... It's we're going to have spaghetti for lunch or we're going to have lasagna or Mexican. Maybe that's it, Italian, Mexican. That's not a hill worth dying on. It's, it's not worth causing problems and fuss and arguments. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the fusses and the arguments we get into in our homes and in relationships in general, most of them are pretty minor. Most of them are a matter of preferences. They're not hills worth dying on. And the Bible says, submit to one another. That's the general rule for believers. Submit to one another uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. And so as we think about growing in wisdom, having the courage, uh, we have to have wisdom to know when we're willing to put it all on the line. And I'm going to tell you high school graduates, there are going to be times in college that you're going to have to put it all on the line because you're going to learn things, hear things, be exposed to things that maybe you've not heard. Uh, Most likely in high school, you have heard, seen, and experienced a lot, but it's going to be even more in different settings, whether it's going to college, whether it's working a job in uh, the secular world, it it doesn't matter. You're going to be experiencing a lot of things, and you've got to know when it is that I'm not budging on this one. This this is the the truth of God. This is the word of God, and I'm, I'm going to stand on these principles. I can do it kindly. I can do it lovingly, but I can do it firmly, 
and know that I'm doing what's right before God. And oftentimes, I think we begin to bend and we begin to compromise when we're around people, especially large groups of people who don't believe like we do. When we become the minority in what we hold to and what we believe, is it still true or not? And I would say to you, if it's in the Word of God, whether you're in the minority or the majority, it's true. And there'll be times it will cost you to stand on the Word of God. It's, it's so well known that oftentimes when people go to college, their beliefs are challenged, that there have been a number of books. I thank God for our, our student ministry because they oftentimes are thinking and talking through a lot of these big issues to help prepare. And I know we've got a lot of parents who are doing the same thing, discipling their kids in these areas. But there are a few books that have been written that tell you that this is a problem. Surviving Religion 101 by Michael Kruger. Because... What you're going to get in most universities is not what you learned in your home and in your church. Most public universities are teaching an anti-God, anti-biblical message. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't go there because of that, but I am saying you better be prepared that that's what you're going to get. Most universities, you're going to be in the minority that when you go. And you're just going to take courage to hold to your convictions. Uh, ten things every Christian should know about college. Uh, how to stay Christian in college. These are just a few of the books that are on my shelf just because more and more have come out to say we've got to prepare our students for when they go away to college. I, I think it backs up. We've got to prepare our kids for any next thing they're going to experience, whether that's high school or middle school. We've got to prepare them and have conversations with them. But an adult now, you have wisdom in regard to courage. You know when you're willing to lay your life down on this on this issue. This is a principle of God. This is a truth of God. I won't bend. I won't budge. I'm standing firm. I'll be nice. I'll be kind. I'll love you. But I'm not changing my mind because I'm not changing the word of God. Wisdom in regard to courage. So when someone becomes an adult, they're growing in wisdom. And you can see it in their lives. Sometimes I wish that we adults had some of the fire that our high school students and college students have. Because it's still fresh for them. And they're willing to lay it on the line. And, and, and sometimes when, when our high school students are really loving Christ and following him, I think sometimes we parents will say, I remember with our oldest son, Donna and I saying before, man, when we grow up, we want to be like Josh. <laughs> Just because we saw the fire and the, the commitment and the obedience there saying, that I don't want anything less, I want even more of that. Sometimes we who've been adults for a while need to appreciate that. And I would tell our high school students and college students that love Jesus with all their hearts, don't back up. Don't, don't adjust to the common feel of Christianity. You keep that fire burning and keep leading out in front and let even some of us who've been adults for a while catch up with you. Grow up in wisdom. Well, to become an adult also means you grow up in stature. That's what it's saying in the text, isn't it? Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. I would say a couple of things about growing up in stature. One, 
be healthy as much as it's possible with you. Sometimes there are extenuating circumstances you have no control over. But oftentimes we do. We have control over what we put into our bodies and what we do to our bodies. And 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we're not our own as a follower of Christ. We're his. What am I doing with what's his? Be healthy with your body. Make good choices. I was sitting with a drug counselor last night after a wedding. We were at a table and and she, she said, I don't know how y'all feel about this uh, legalization of marijuana, but she said, every person I've ever talked to in my office as a drug counselor started with marijuana. Be careful what you put in your body. College, co-workers, they're gonna be, you're going to be put in a lot of situations where you're going to be offered things that you're going to have to think, well, am I my own or am I God's? And if I'm his, I should treat this body like he means for me. Be healthy and be holy. Grow in stature. Don't hurt this body. Grow, grow in holiness too, too. Your total commitment. And oftentimes what we're thinking about is immorality. We're talking about lust. We're talking about sexual temptation. We talk about holiness in the high school graduates and college graduates. And I I would say, too, don't treat anyone like your spouse that's not your spouse. I told uh, some of our young adults the other day what I told them was a very profound statement. You are not married until you're married. Don't act like it until you are. That's, That's God's design. It's a beautiful, beautiful relationship that God gives a husband and wife to be enjoyed. And God means for that to be a... Something to look forward to and to be a blessing and to grow us in oneness together. But we don't want to awaken those desires too early. And that's what oftentimes happens before marriage. Be holy. Don't treat anyone as a spouse until they are. Sexual temptation has always been a big issue, but I don't know that it's been any bigger than what it is today. And a lot of that comes through pornography. And whether it's uh, a young man or a young woman, the numbers continue to increase. Those who have addictions to pornography, be holy. Grow up in stature. Don't give yourself to something that it wasn't intended to be given to. Huge number today of our young adults are either dabbling with pornography or have even become addicted and need some uh, help. And we would like to encourage you to get that help if that's where you are. Grow up in wisdom to become an adult. Uh, To become an adult, grow up in stature. Thirdly, grow up in favor with God. That's what Luke 2.52 says about Jesus. He was moving toward manhood to adulthood and, and he grew in favor with God. So what does it really mean to grow in favor with God? It means to... Really enjoy your relationship with him. To acknowledge him as your creator. It's to know him. It's to grow deeper in your understanding of who he is. And how are you going to do that? Well, God has revealed himself through his word. So we're going to spend time in the word. Uh, We're going to grow in our understanding of who he is. Now, you can't earn the favor of God. But what you can do is enjoy the favor of God. And the more you get to know God, the more you understand the favor of God and the more you enjoy the favor of God. It's a part of our moving into adulthood as followers of Christ. We've been told clearly in the scripture what our priorities should be. 
You shall have no other gods before me. So that speaks to the positive, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Don't let anything compete for that. You should not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. You should not even misuse the name of the Lord your God. We understand the greatness and the glory of God and what what we should stay away from so that we can enjoy God himself. There's nothing more transformative in a person's life than to begin to learn how to enjoy God, to experience him on a daily basis, to have a relationship with him. And so to grow in favor with God just means that we love him. There's nothing more important that we could do. Teacher, they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? I mean, I want to know that I'm doing what's really important, what's really big. I'm not sure they were very sincere when they were actually asking the question, but Jesus was very sincere when he gave the answer and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Grow up in favor with God, love him, and then listen to him. That's how you're going to grow in favor with God. I, I would tell all of our high school graduates and all of our college graduates and I would tell you, you have no excuse for not reading this book. There's no excuse that any of you can't spend a few minutes every day reading the Word of God. Choose a book of the a Bible at a time. I, I would encourage you even to read it more systematically than that. But a book at a time and read a chapter at a time through a book at a time. Daily. The average reader... And high school graduates and college graduates usually are above the average reader, but the average reader takes about five minutes a day to read a chapter. Now, let's just say it takes you 10 uh, or even 15. Who of us cannot carve out 15 minutes a day to read the Bible? That's how we listen to him. Don't anticipate audible voices. If you're hearing audible voices... God speaks through his word. It's how he's made himself known. He he has given us his word and somehow we feel like we're going to be better people because we're binging on Netflix or whatever else it is that we're watching. I'm not saying all of Netflix is bad. Or we're watching ESPN every day and I'm not saying that's all that bad. I'm just saying we have time to read the word of God. And I would ask all of our graduates today to make that commitment from this day forward whether you have been or not now some of our students I mean they've already they've already read through the Bible and they've they've been very consistent so I I know that's true of many of them but I'm I'm just calling you out to say there's nothing more important in your life that you're going to do than love God and how you're going to love him more if you're going to keep growing in favor is to listen to him Hear him, know him, enjoy that relationship with him. The Bible is the word of God that will equip you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It will equip you. It will teach you uh, and it will rebuke you and it will correct you and it will train you for the rest of your life. Read it daily. Listen to God. And then finally, when you see Luke 2, 52 It's not only in favor with God, but also in favor with man. Grow up in favor with man. Just a couple of quick things here I think would be helpful. Act with respect. Those who are older, parents and grand, continue to respect them. Even though you become an adult, 
It doesn't mean that your respect is any less. Now, you may be making more of your own decisions, and the less dependent are on your parents, the more your own decisions you'll be able to make. Uh, as you're transitioning in this time in, into uh, adulthood, But treat them with respect nonetheless. Uh, Learn from older people. Uh, Our congregation, one of the blessed parts of being a part of Lawndale is that we are an intergenerational church. And there's no reason someone who is a young adult can't build relationships with an older man, uh, you young men, or with an older woman, you young women, and learn and get counsel and advice and show respect to those who've been through some of the things that you're getting ready to go through. Act with respect. I think one of the damaging things about some of the respect has been some of the technology. And I'm going to tell you as a graduate today, just because your parents or your grandparents or some of the older people in the congregation don't know as much about how to use their cell phones or their computers or their tablets doesn't mean they don't have wisdom to give you. Respect them and help them with their technology. (laughs) Act with respect. Choose what is right. If you're going to grow in favor with man, part of that is that you are showing respect to others, especially the older, but choose what is right. Be a man or woman of honesty and integrity. The world's going to try to press you into bending things and Uh, taking shortcuts and cheating here or cheating there and don't do it be a person of honesty and integrity put it all out on the table and let people know where you are love your neighbor enough not to compromise not to give in and to cut corners grow up in favor with man Uh, initially somebody might not like you initially somebody might be jealous of you initially somebody might even fire you from your job for your honesty and integrity but ultimately people are going to respect you but you know what it doesn't even matter if anybody on earth ever respects you does it because what matters is if you know God is pleased with what you've done or not done in that situation. He is the one you'll give an account for. And just take responsibility. There are a lot of areas as as you grow up into adulthood now that this world needs you. God put you here as a follower of Christ for a reason and, and we need you to grow up. We need you as a citizen of our country. We need you to be involved in the political process and to vote uh, according to biblical values. We need you because we're we're tired of paying all the taxes. We, We need you to be a part of our world now. Be good citizens. And then we need you as a part of the church. Be a good member of the church. Sometimes people go off and after they graduate and they think, well, the church doesn't really need me. You may be going to a school in another area, find a local church there because they need you to be a part of that body, to serve and to give and to be a part of what they're doing. Uh, if you stay local here, we, we need you. We, we have college students who are serving in so many ways, even high school students that are already serving. But there's a responsibility as a follower of Christ to the family of God. And so we find those places of service. We serve just because we're in high school, we're in college, or uh, all the way up through senior adults. We're we're all a part of this family, and there are places and things that 
we can do to help this body grow and thrive and be all that Jesus wants it to be and to be ready for Jesus' return. And so we serve and we give. Just as you grow into adulthood and you begin to get jobs, that's a part of how God's work continues. Even in the Old Testament, it said bring the, the tithe to the storehouse. And so we are normally talking about when it comes to giving, as you move into adulthood especially, some of you have had parents who, when they gave you a, a dollar allowance, is that even a thing today, getting a dollar for an allowance? I think I'm thinking more about my childhood. But I, I was expected to give at least a dime out of that dollar. And so as a child, I learned to give to the work of the church and that allowed me to understand and be a part of something greater. So there's, there's a responsibility that we have as adults to our country, to our church. And so part of that is getting a job and working. God meant for us to work. Work's not a bad thing. Marriage is not a bad thing. There are a lot of things the world might tell you, man, you don't, you don't want to get a job because then you have to get up in the morning. Then you have to go to work and you have to answer to somebody. But God meant for us to work. And, and even with the thing about marriage, marriage is a blessed thing that God created. It's good. Don't listen to the world. These are good things. Take responsibility. What's your calling? What did God put you here on earth to do? To know him and to enjoy him, but then to do that thing also that he put you here to do vocationally. Grow up. Listen to what Jim McBride said in his book, Rite of Passage. There's something in our nature that makes us want to acknowledge a transition from childhood to adulthood. Typically, these rites have included three elements, separation, transition, and subsequent incorporation. So separation, the cost of taking responsibility, it takes courage to step out and to follow God's plan and to take responsibility for your life yourself. It's a separation. There is a, a leaving that happens. There is a transition, though, the process of taking tra- responsibility. We have parents and grandparents and mentors alongside of us to help us. Even though we're, we're saying call high school graduates out to adulthood, when they go to college, instead of going to work, we know there's going to be a little more transitional time of dependency. And even after high school, if they go straight into a job situation, there's still going to be a little bit of transition in there. But that's part of life. There is a separation, there is a transition, and then there's the incorporation, the satisfaction of taking responsibility. I'm paying my own bills. I'm serving my church. I'm serving my Lord. I'm growing in my citizenship in this country. God means for you to grow up and have the satisfaction of contributing to the whole of society. See, fill the whole earth. And we get to be a part of that wonderful plan of God. And it shouldn't be delayed. It should be as God is leading and at the appropriate time. So when you're an adult, you put away childish things. Now, I don't know what that means for this high school class. What are you going to put away now? There'll be some things you take up responsibility for, but there'll be some things now that you put, you'll put away because now you're an adult and you've got to get moving with this part of your life and with this next phase of your life. First Corinthians 13, 11, that's what Paul is saying in that love chapter 
when, when I became a man, I put away childish things. I, I, I was a child, and it's okay to be a child. If you're a child here, God bless you and enjoy being a child. And those who are in that transition time now, don't, don't delay adulthood. Keep moving toward it because God intends for you to become an adult and take responsibility and become a part of his greater plan here on earth. C.T. Studd said this, one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, this might not make all that much sense. Because in Christ, he begins to change our outlook and our perspective. He begins to transform our hearts and our minds. And now instead of just doing whatever I want to do, doing the latest, greatest, following the trends and going along with all the cultural stuff that's happening, now we we have a foundation. We know who we are. We know where we're headed. We know uh, that God has a purpose and a plan. We're not just living aimlessly, beating the air, but now we have a purpose and we're living according to the plan of God. And there is a way to become a part of the family of God. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You, You can... Become a part of his family. If you're willing to surrender your life to Christ, confess him as Lord, and place your faith in his death and resurrection, you're a sinner. We all all have sinned. And because of that sin, we can't have a relationship with God. It must be taken away. It must be cleansed. It must be gone. We can't do it ourselves. Only Christ can cleanse our sin. What he did on the cross paid for our sin. And when he rose from the dead, now he shows you he has power over sin and death and hell. And you can have full rights as his children and live the way that he intended you to live. If you don't know Christ, I would encourage you, come today. We'll have pastors who are available. We'd love to talk with you, either before, uh, during the invitation, or even after the service. If you know Christ, I would call you out to a deeper commitment to him, to love him, and to listen to him daily. Let's pray. Father, you know every person that's gathered in this room this morning. You know their hearts, you know who doesn't know you, who's not in your family, I pray that right now that your spirit would bring strong conviction for those who are not in your family. Invite them, help them to understand your love and your invitation to be forgiven and to start life fresh. And I pray for those who do already know you that maybe you've been drifting and not been very purposeful in pursuing you now. I pray that you'll draw them to yourself. Give them a new passion and desire to walk with you, to love you, and to make you known. We ask it all in Jesus' name.